this tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, hello again. Welcome back to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is Coach Kevin Furtado for episode 184. Today we have Coach Matt Cates. He's the head girls basketball coach at Cherokee High School in Georgia. This is his 21st year as head girls basketball coach. Matt has 14 state playoff appearances, 8 region championships, 2 runner-ups, 400-plus career wins, back-to-back Final Four appearances. He started the first junior basketball program in Cherokee County. He's chairman of the Cherokee High School Hall of Fame. Again, today we have a series of great Georgia coaches that um, I've been talking to lately. Um, last year, uh, Yesterday was uh, Kathy Walton, the great coach, legendary coach from Southwest DeKalb. Today we have Coach Matt Cates, uh, who also in, <clears throat> is also a very strong, legendary coach here in Georgia. We have so many good ones. He really built the Cherokee program into one of the most outstanding 7A uh, programs in the state. And he's really going to share with you kind of his philosophy on building the program from the ground up with their feeder program. He's going to talk about his system of offense and defense. And in addition, he's going to talk about what is he doing with his players right now to kind of get them ready for this season? So I think you're really going to enjoy this next episode, 184, with Coach Matt Cates.
Hey, Kevin. Matt. I'm doing well. How are you? That's good. Hey, hey, I appreciate you uh, getting up early on this uh, Tuesday, man. I know you're usually sleeping in, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> sleeping in. That's that's like six forty-five. <laughs> exactly right. Still working, right? Never, never taking a day off. No, no days <laughs> off. I hear you. Um, I appreciate you joining me. I I had a couple coaches, uh, Eric Herrick and uh, Coach Phyllis Arthur, highly recommend you for our podcast. So, um, hey, when you get recommended, that's pretty good. <laughs> no kidding. That's a that's a sign of uh, maybe you're doing some things right. So uh, you know, I, Eric and uh, Phyllis are are good friends and good colleagues, and we've competed against each other many, many times. So, uh, I feel honored that, you know, they recommended me and that I was able to come on with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, and this is just a, a labor of love for me. I, I get a chance to kind of speak with coaches, um, from all over the country, man. Uh, and I just love kind of picking the brain of you guys. And, you know, Eric, I picked out a couple of things that he did Phyllis, Um, I picked out a bunch of things from her. It's like, you know, it's amazing how many, coaches do things a little bit different isn't that amazing sometimes but but it's not a right or wrong but they just do it differently but very successfully well and and that's what we do as coaches we steal things from no one comes up with anything on their own we steal it from everybody else we tweak it to fit what we want to do you know so so many things that that we take from each other it's uh it's a we're all thieves and we're all always looking for the next thing that we think will work for our program and, uh, you know, a lot of things that probably we talk about today, I definitely did not come up with. I stole from somebody else. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, talk about growing up in the game on that. And I always love hearing the stories of, of coaches on how they grow up in the game. And um, there's somewhere down the road that you kind of said, hey, man, I love this game so much that I want to become a coach. When did that happen? Uh you know, I grew up in a family of educators. My mom's an educator. My dad was an educator. My mom taught 45 years, retired, and then, you know, she's back to volunteering again. My dad was a, <laughs> you know, 30-some-year educator. I just grew up in education, so I think part of that is already ingrained in you. But, you know, growing up, you know, my dad, would, he didn't allow me to play organized basketball until I could make the middle school team, which was sixth grade uh, in East Tennessee where I grew up and, uh, I, I never could understand why he wouldn't let me, why he wouldn't let me. You know, he would love, he, he would let me, you know, I had a goal and a ball and I could work all the time, but he never let me play organized until I can make a middle school team. And I think part of that is, uh, he didn't want me to, to learn to hate the game later on. Cause he knew that I really at a young age. And I think he wanted me to not burn out on it. And he wanted me to, just hold off and wait just a little longer. So I, I really am thankful that he did that, you know, and then I, I went on to, you know, to high school and I had a really good high school career and I was fortunate and I played college ball at uh, Gardner Webb university. And, um, you know, it wasn't far into, I already knew that, you know, I was going the, the teaching and coaching route cause I, I, I just couldn't get away from the game and I always wanted to be around it. And, uh, I've been very fortunate. I've been very blessed to to be in around good people. My high school coach was a he was a he was a really good 
hard nosed, he's old school disciplinarian coach and but we respected him and, and we knew he cared about us and he pushed us and, and and even the people that were in that program in that community were unbelievable. Like kids nowadays don't understand. Like I, I tell them some of the stories growing up playing ball and, and they look at me like a I've got two heads. You know, I had a key to the gym. My <laughs> high school coach gave me a key to the gym. And right. we would go home from school or practice, eat dinner with our families, and then we went back to the school around, you know, dark. And the community came in and we scrimmaged. It was five it was five on five full court, next man up, pick your team, and, and we just and it was we would run till ten, eleven o'clock at night. And this was with grown men throughout the community would come from all over just to play. And here we are, you know, 15, 16, 17-year-old kids playing against grown men. And it was – there were some battles that went on in that. And I think part of that – that's why we were tough-nosed kids and, and tough competitors for our high school. And, you know, I just – it was something I couldn't get away from. Basketball was just – I loved it. Well, you said a couple of interesting things. Um, and the first point I want to make out, you're, I think your parents – had a great insight into developing kids the right way because I think kids today um, are starting into organized sports way too early. I mean, really young, as you already know that. Uh, and I spoke to Kathy Walton yesterday from Southwest Cab, and she says, man, the numbers of girls are going down in basketball. We both kind of discussed it. And I think kids are just getting started too serious early. Um, so I think your parents were way ahead of the game. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was my dad more more than anything, and uh, <laughs> they are they were ahead of the game. And, and I have a I have a daughter who just call it D one college softball player, and, and we started playing real young. So I didn't take his. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I, but I did monitor how much we played and things like that. And then I've got a, another daughter who's going play basketball this year she'll be a freshman in college and and we did monitor how much we played at that young age and how much that we did those things but I, I think our numbers are going down too I would agree with coach Walton and and part of that is the specialization and I think that's a something that that these kids and parents don't need to do in an early age because the, the research shows that those kids are getting hurt and having more significant injuries or use their muscles one way for the majority of their career or the majority of their training. You know, the best athletes I've had at Cherokee high school were two sport athletes. And they're the ones I, they're the, you know, did I want to share them all the time? No, but they were the best, you know, the best players I had did two sports. Yeah, that's a really good point. And you, you, you definitely see it a lot now with the, uh, promoting, like particularly with so- basketball is, is just as bad as anybody. Kids uh, playing travel ball all year. And I think they just get, I think they just get burned out. They don't have energy for another sport, but softball, volleyball, you know, volleyball, the travel goes during the basketball season. So we got girls here that can really help us on the basketball team, but they're so focused on volleyball, but that's their choice. Um, but I think that's a major problem. It is their choice, and uh, and I have some some reservations as most coaches do against volleyball. Like it's uh, we're brainwashing a lot of these kids in <laughs> in these sports, and it's going on in basketball, and it's going on in volleyball, and it's going on in softball, 
and these kids are, are being brainwashed by adults right. who, uh, who think they have the best interests in mind, but they're really just trying to feed their ego. And, and we need to, to encourage these kids to branch out a little bit and to do other things. And, and how about, Hey, how about be a kid? Right. There's a thought, you know, <laughs> let's, let's enjoy a little bit of this ride. Yeah. It's interesting. You say that coach, because the pandemic, I think, I know it sounds crazy. It has allowed kids that play travel ball all year round to kind of get out just in the backyard and they have to practice. Now they got to practice. They, you know, of course yeah. travel ball is going on now, but there was a time where, you know, you had to get out in the backyard and just play by yourself. That's a new concept. Um, so what do you think how the pandemic actually helped kids out? Well, I, I think the pandemic is, that is true. We've, we've had to go, the kids have had to learn to, to go outside and shoot in the wind. <laughs> had to learn to go outside and, and dribble on an uneven surface and right. dribble with a ball that is, um, you know, it's not a leather ball and it might not have a lot of grip. And, and they've had to learn to try to exercise uh, in different ways and, right. and learn and learn to do these things that we all had to do as kids. Like I, we didn't have phones and video games and stuff. We All we did was go play sports. We That's played right. basketball. We played baseball. We played football. Uh, we threw, you know, we just did stuff. And, and, and when it got dark, we tried to find a light to get under enough to, to throw some more or, you know, or be in the woods and, sh you know, shoot a gun, something that we just always were doing instead of being in our house. And I think the pandemic has uh, helped us with that. And I, my wife and I talked the other day that I think the pandemic, we're going to look back and realize how one good thing about this, we got to spend more time with, with our two daughters who are, you know, getting ready to go back to college. We got to spend more time with some other family that, that we didn't, that we don't sometimes, or, or we just got to spend time together that we're going to look back on and say, wow, that was probably, even though it was bad, it was a time that we got to do those things. Yeah. There's always good things that come out, out of tragedy and so forth. So, um, and I, I want to kind of move in before we get on to kind of talking about your program, talk about like the mentors who have shaped your philosophy. I know I have guys like Gene Durden's a big mentor of mine. And basically just by, I mean, he has really, and I have my own philosophy, but he helped me shape it. Who's the guys that kind of helped shape your philosophy? Well, you know, Gene is a, is a huge uh, mentor for me as well. And, and I, I've been to many early morning breakfast clubs and, and I sit and write till my hands about to fall off <laughs> and, sure. and, and do those things. And, and I go meet with him and, and we'll sit for eight or 10 hours and just talk basketball the entire time. And, and, and <laughs> Gene is, is he's as genuine as they come because he is as interested in what I have to say as what he is, what I am and what he has to say. Right. And you don't find many people that are like that. You know, m most of those people, a lot of people who are really successful, they just want to talk about why they're successful. He's not that way. He wants, he wants to see you be successful. He wants to know what you do that could help him. He's always learning. So I would say Gene's one. Uh, you know, I think Matt Williams was a, is a good friend of mine. He was North Cobb girls coach for years. Now he's the AD over there. And, and he, him and I had many discussions along the way. Uh, our boys coach at Cherokee High School is is an awesome 
wealth of knowledge and, and he's been doing it. Roger Quam has been doing basketball okay. for, he's been coaching 35 years. You know, he was in Massachusetts. His, his father-in-law was uh, Lenny Wilkins right hand man for all those years. So, you know, just okay. the things that he's been, <laughs> just the things that he's been around and seen and, and worked with, you know, he's such, and and he's such a, a, a craftsman, of basketball. He's a, he's a great mentor and friend that I bounce a lot of ideas off of and, the, and that we talk a lot of basketball about. Um, uh, I've had uh, a couple, I had an AD when I first got the job at Cherokee high school, Mike Baker, who he was an old coach from, from, you know, boys and girls. And, and he was the AD and he was a, he was a and, and things to, that I could talk with and bounce ideas off of. So there's been so many people. Uh, that's just a few that come to mind. Yeah, there's so many. Uh, and there's nothing better, right, Matt, than actually going to somebody's practice. I always – if I had one recommendation for coaches, you can watch video. Video's great because you always have it there. But there's nothing better, like you said, going to a Gene Durden practice and watching and feeling the intensity that his kids – that's to me, that's, that's how you learn. Just go watch. Um, you know, I learned more from just going and watching and watching clinics, things like that than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in the last few years, and one stuff, and this just, I've been so humbled by it because I'm like, you want to come watch what we do? Like you're, you're <laughs> a boys coach. Like you want to come sure. see what we do? Like why? I, I don't question it, but I'm like, sure, come on. Like, I, I don't know, you you know, you might want to, you might want to let me know the day you're coming because it might not be a day that <laughs> is, uh, is beneficial for, you know, years with our practices that we, we've changed a few things and, and Gene and I have talked about that and I'm, we've gone into some, some details of, you know, like day after games, we, we've, I've changed in the last, five or six years, you know, a lot of things we do throughout the year. And that's just part of evolving and, and meeting what the kids need and meeting what they can handle in this generation. Yes. Um, and I, I, it sounds like you're always learning. I, I just think one ingredient to all the successful coaches like yourself, Kathy Walton, I think they're always picking up things and learning. They're never staying satisfied. Hey, talk about what are you doing now with your team? And also kind of give us a brief overview of the team coming back for you. I know you guys had a great season last year. Kind of talk about your, your team coming back. Well, we've had, uh, we had back-to-back final four appearances. So, um, and we pretty much had all those kids, for both of those back-to-back final fours. So that's uh, – we're losing a senior class that's got six seniors in it, and that's a that's a big loss for us because those kids were – you know, those kids were four-time region champions. Those kids were final four two years in a row. They won 100 games in their career. So it's a – that's right. a big <laughs> no shoe to fill for us. But coming back, we, we do have – we do have a good amount of kids coming back. We've got a big 6-3 post who – She's hard to handle. She's she's up there. She's she's a cog in what we're going to do. We've got good guards who who played significant minutes for us last year. Um, we're just going to have to bring our younger kids along a little faster than we would probably want to. 
luckily enough, we have some good young kids coming in, uh, missing the summer, right. you know, is not beneficial. You know, we haven't been allowed to Cherokee County ha- hasn't allowed us to do any sports for winter. So missing my summer workouts with those young kids, um, is putting us a little behind, but we'll catch up hopefully once school gets started, we have a good nucleus coming back. We got, um, so we've got eight coming back from last year and then we'll we'll be adding in some new pieces with with younger kids to you know and i I told somebody the other day our young kids are you know they're gonna have to play some minutes so you know they better be ready to go they're gonna have to contribute some minutes now they're not gonna we're not gonna have to have them go out and score 20 but they're gonna have to play they're gonna have to contribute defensively and contribute and be able to, you know, make the layups and make the right passes. So we feel good that we have a good, you know, good nucleus coming back of our upperclassmen. And then we got a good nucleus of, of young kids that we can start. Yeah. And that's, in. and Matt, don't you agree though, that, yeah, you lost all those seniors, but a sign of a healthy program is a feeder program. And it sounds like you got a good class coming. It's like a revolving door, right? That's a sign of a good program. Yeah, it is, and um, you know we have uh, we have junior warrior basketball uh, at our school, and our whole county has it now. But I've been the head coach twenty years, and I think eighteen years ago I started the junior warrior program, which I took that right. model from Cobb County. Cobb County junior basketball they wouldn't let us in their league because we weren't Cobb County, so we went to North Fulton and we did it over there for a few years, and then finally Cobb County started incorporating everyone in. And now it's a 58-team league, and you know we have we've been fortunate that our our junior program uh, is our feeder program. You know I get to put the coaches um, in that I want. Unlike the middle school, you know I get to pick these coaches. They practice uh, with at our places. I get to I, I get hands on with them. I get they run what we want them to do. You know uh, we use our terminology with them, which I think is huge in our, in our sixth, seventh and eighth grade, that, that they at least have the terminology of what we do at the high school level. Now they're not, they're not as sophisticated with what they do, but their terminology is the same and their basic core uh, principles and defensively are the same. So when they get to us, then we can start. Yeah. Give me some more specifics. Cause I'm, I'm of course I'm in uh, Lake Oconee Academy. So it's a beautiful area, but we're in Greene County, which is kind of a small county. We're a single-A school. Um, and that's something that I would like to see out here, but it's a lot harder in smaller counties, right, Matt? I mean, you'd have to try to play, but I still oh, yeah. think it's feasible. So I really want to pick your brain where I think I think you still have what we have our youth league, but I think it's important for the youth to play other counties. Now, of course, this year it might be a problem, but – so give me kind of some feedback on how you guys set that up. Well, like I said, Cobb County Basketball League has been going for close to 50 years. It's the CCJBC, Cobb County Junior Basketball <laughs> right. Conference. They they basically started that, you know, it's almost 50 years. I think it's 49 maybe. So we took the model off of that and um, – and started incorporating it at our high school. So I have a sixth grade team, I have a seventh grade team, and I have an eighth grade team that we do the tryouts completely through our high school and through our junior program. They are not part of our program, but they are 
obviously, and you know, a vital entity of what we do. We don't run them through our booster club or any of that stuff. Um, they are not middle school um, affiliated either. So we still have middle school. Okay, that's what I was. Yeah. Okay. So there is there's there's a chance that you could be on the middle school team and not play junior warriors. That's that's not ideal though, because middle school to me is a fun league. The junior warrior team, our junior program, that's our feeder program. And that's what I, I put a lot of stock into that. And I put a lot of time into that. And I think that there are kids who play in our junior program that don't play at the middle school. And that's fine too, because it's not competitive enough. Our middle school is made up of six middle schools in the county. They only play each other. So to me, you've got to branch out if you're going to be competitive and you've got to play better people. We don't get better playing our county schools. We get better playing McEachern, Marietta, South Cobb, Campbell, uh, the North Fulton schools, North Forsyth. We get better branching out and playing those schools. We don't get better playing in a six-school middle school league where the English teacher is the is the coach. <laughs> essentially, you know that can be a, that can be a tough that can be a tough situation to try to improve. So it's uh it, it it's been a very profitable. And when I say profitable, it's it's helped. I genuinely say that we've won so a lot of games because of our junior program involvement from prior to getting to high. Yeah, school. that's really interesting that you have. I mean, you would think the middle school would be your main teams, but it's interesting you say it's the junior because um, we have a middle school program now. We play, unfortunately, I mean, we or, fortunately and fortunately we play big schools, Baldwin counties. So we play bigger schools that are more talented than us. So. We are definitely playing, so it's almost like you're junior. Yes, and you know it's um, like I said, I, I started this that junior program I think 17 or 18 years ago, and you know the first year it was just Cherokee High School that had it. You know the next year, you know here comes one of our other local high schools. Like, hey, can you <laughs> tell me about this program? You know, and then with within five or six years, everyone has one. Now everyone doesn't right. do it the same as us. Yeah. Uh, they tweak it their own way. Uh, some schools in our county, if you're on the junior, if you're on the middle school team, you're automatically right. on the junior team. See, I, I, we don't, we don't do that. Like, we're going to try you out. We're going to take the best kids. Like, just because you made one team, doesn't mean you might not be good enough to make the other one. So, unfortunately, that can happen. But unlike some other schools in our county, for Cherokee High School, we have one middle school that feeds two high schools. So their middle school might be really good, but only half of those kids might be Cherokee high school kids. The other half might be Woodstock kids. So if just because they didn't make that team or did make that team doesn't mean they would make right. ours. So, so it's, uh, you know, we're the only, we're the only uh, us and Woodstock are the only one that split one middle school. And uh, so it, it, that's a challenge for us. Um, but we've we've worked around it over the years. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I, I understand that with the bigger schools, you know, you just don't have a direct feeder feeder school and so far. I definitely understand that. But what's interesting about what you're doing, though, Matt, is you basically can get more kids out. So if you have a totally different group playing your junior and another group, you almost have yeah more kids playing ball, right? You can. Yeah, that's true. Uh, 
the the thing that can get tricky is when kids play on both teams, right. which is fine as well. You know, some sometimes sometimes they're having to practice twice a day. You know, they might have to practice for their middle school, and then they might have to come to junior practice. So you know, you've got to communicate with your junior. I've got to communicate with my junior coaches. Like, hey, <clears throat> don't forget, five of those kids have already practiced today. So you you know, one night a week might need to be more of a shooting practice and more of a, a skill work practice instead of, you know, run up down the floor. They've already ran up and down the floor. You know, if they can't dribble, pass and shoot, then it right. doesn't matter what you're doing. They need to be able to do, do those small fundamentals. And our junior program, uh, I'm not going to uh, exaggerate out of an hour and a half practice, they should be doing 45 minutes to 50 minutes worth of fundamentals. And, and that's what we encourage. We're, it's more of a fundamental-based system for me at that level because I want them to be able to dribble and shoot and pass and catch on the move. And it's fun, the fundamentals of the game are what has helped us to separate our program, being able to fundamentally do things better. Oh, no doubt about that. And that that's that's the ultimate separator and so forth for many of the programs. Um and obviously going back to Gene with his, I mean, he's heavily involved with his youth teams. He hires the coaches. He, he knows. It sounds like to me you're hands-on with that youth team because that's your future, right? Hi, this is Kirk Gilsdorf, Clackamas Community College Women's Basketball, formerly Oregon City High School Girls Basketball. And as a veteran coach, I'm always looking for new ideas, new things to listen to, somewhere I can improve my coaching. And I've discovered the Championship Vision podcast from Kevin Furtado, and it has become my number one go-to podcast each and every week. Kevin brings in guests that provide a unique perspective, whether it's on X's and O's, philosophy, drill work, whatever it might be. Uh, he's going to get something out there that's going to help me as a coach get better. And I think that's what we should all be doing as coaches is helping each other get better. Uh, Kevin himself is, is always hungry to learn. You can sense that in his podcast. And so, again, I can't recommend it highly enough. Championship Vision Podcast, Kevin Furtado, keep up the great work. Yeah, we. I, I am. I'm very hands-on with him. Um, you know, uh, I interview all the coaches. <laughs> So there, it's not just, uh, you know, you can't just pop up and coach, you know, you're going to be interviewed for the job and I'm going to pick the best one. Um, I will help with tryouts if the coach asks me to. Um, I, I, I'm usually at tryouts, but as far as picking a team, I don't like to pick the team, sure. but I'll help. If you, if you're down to, if you're down to trying to pick two kids out of four, you know, I can help with that if you would like, but I am very hands-on and there, there's many, there's many days where, you know, my practice ends and then junior practice is starting and I'm still there another <laughs> hour, hour and 15 minutes before I know what's happening. You know, my wife's called like, hey, are you, is everything all right? <laughs> you know, and I've spent an extra hour and 15 minutes working on our trapping right. zone defense with them. Yeah, that, 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 that's a whole other podcast there, man. The time spent for coaches is unbelievable. If you want to be good, I mean, you got to put the time in. Right. Um Hey, talk about your culture there. Kind of give us, kind of give us your top three values in your program. I really firmly believe that you just can't throw out the balls and and even just work on. You got to have a philosophy when you come into a program, right? Yeah, I think so. And and, and culture, 
uh, and some of these things are probably you're going to be like, oh, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. Yeah, because I stole it from somebody <laughs> else. But, you know, culture is not culture is not one thing. It's everything. You know, I think that's a I think that's a dirtism. You know, it's not one thing. It right. is everything. And uh, and your culture will uh, withstand time. And when it withstands time, eventually it wins. So you have got to keep that culture the way that you want it, you know, and, and part of our culture and our program is our player development. I think, um, you know, ones are, are crucial, uh, in, in the off season. And, and we, we run, we're running four on ones. We're running, running them four days a week from the time we get back to school to, till the time practice starts, you know? And, and so I think your player development is, is huge. Um, in that culture. And I think it trickles down into our junior program as well. You know, those, those people got to understand what is expected. You know, if you, you know, can't, can't and do the work and, and, and not be silly and you can't uh, be committed to us, then that's an issue. And, and I think our parents do a great job of, well, we do a good job of teaching them that in the sixth grade. Like, hey, it's not rec ball anymore. This is, right. you know, this is the first steps to being a varsity athlete at at the high school. So part of the, you know, I think that's part of your culture is, is trying to show those kids exactly what and how we do things. And, and that, you know, that even goes as far as summer camp when you're, when our high school kids are working summer camp and they're down there, they don't let things slide in summer camp. You know, they have fun with the kids, but they make sure they know, Hey, it needs to be done like this. Hey, you need to be, you got to be using your left hand, even if you're not used to it, even if you're not comfortable with it. So I think player development is a, is a big culture. I think coaching staff development is another big culture piece you know i'm very fortunate with the staff i have they are they're excellent uh two of them played for me so they know they came through the program one of them's the best kid i've ever coached uh and you know the most fun kid i've ever coached and 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 then i got my third assistant i coached against her in the county she won (laughs) a state championship at at etowah high school nice so uh you know, I, I have a really good staff, and I, and I think in the staff, you know, part of our culture is they know what's expected, uh, and then I'm always trying to involve them more and more in some aspects of the program that um, they may want one day when they become a head coach. You know, I, I want them to be involved in in planning, like they're involved in planning practice. Now, I obviously. You know, I, I make the final practice plan, but there I want them involved in that. I want them involved in player meetings. I want them involved in parent meetings. I want them in. I want them reading. You know, hey, let's let's. Uh, I want them reading on their own, not just basketball books either. I mean, just general leadership knowledge books. How how about we we learn to be more of of a reading society instead of just you know watching something and. I think that's a that's a big building piece in our program as well as our is our coaching staff and and I'm very fortunate that I've had them with me for years you know years 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 and it, and it keeps that tradition and that culture within us building. Um, 
I think our practice format is a culture piece as well. You know, we practice a certain way every day and, and the kids know what's expected. You know, we, we do fundamentals every day of high school practice. We, we do some sort of ball handling every day because I think it's that important. Now we might not do 30 minutes of it, but we are doing ball handling every day. We are doing shooting every day. Um, we have scheduled a scheduled practice plan every day and, and I'm the world's worst of getting off schedule and going too long. And my assistants do it. They're like, Hey coach, we, we, that's enough, you know? And, and that's part of being, that's part of having a good yeah. assistant is, you know, there's been plenty of times younger in my career where I said, you know, we went 15 minutes too long on that. And it just turned into a mess at the end. I should have cut it off when I, when I had it scheduled to, but I think it's important that you, that you, you plan your practices down to the, you know, I plan them down to the minute. You know, I, I think that's important for young coaches to, to understand that they've got to have a plan. You can't just shoot from the hip on these things. No, you, you absolutely have to. And it, it's interesting you say that because I think every coach is a little bit different. I know coaches that will extend that drill a little bit. They might even – they might even try to uh, – they feel like it's just necessary to kind of get a little bit more out of it. And then there's coaches like, hey, when that horn goes off, we're done. So it sounds like to me, are you – when that – boom, when that time is done, you're done? Because that's hard to do in my opinion. <laughs> I, I, no, that is not me. I, I'm not the one who, who when the horn goes – you know, for that 15 minute period, I'm not the one that says, all right, that's the end of it. Okay. Unless it was just a, unless it was just a great period. If it was a great period, boom, we're on to the next thing. And there are times where it is a great period and there's no need to keep going with it because we got it. But most of the time it's, it's another four minutes here. It's another seven minutes. It's that's another right. 10. It's another 10 because we just didn't get it exactly right. But I think you, that can be detrimental if you start running it, you know, a 15 minute drill into 30 minutes, I think it can be a de detrimental uh, because eventually it, it's either it was started going, it was going really good or, Hey, it's time to get out of it and come back to it because girls basketball, some days they're just not going to get it. Right. And, and and they'll drive you crazy. You'll lose your hair. You'll, uh, I mean, they'll, they'll drive you crazy because they just, it, there's just some things are not going, they won't get it that day, but you'll come back the next day and they'll get it. So I, I think it's a fine line, and I think part of that's just having a coaching staff that can that can read how it's going and read you and say, "Hey, I, I think we're going to come back. We need to we need to break loose from this and and try to come back." There's yeah, been I love plenty of practices you... where I've come. There's been plenty of practices yeah. where I've come back at the end and said, "All right, let's try that again from from at the beginning of practice." That's a great point, Matt. You, I mean, because I, I totally agree. I think, I think. Uh, I mean, this is, I guess, my personal view, and it sounds like you're very similar. I might, I might change things up, and I might have my my schedule, but if I don't like how it's going, I might come back to that later on just to test my players out. I don't know if you're the same. Yeah, we, we do, and and sometimes I just I, I I come back to things just to test their cognitive you know their their memory and you know if we run inbounds yeah, sure if we've got if we've got a, if we've got them on schedule to run uh 10 minutes of dummy baseline inbounds we might come back to it at the end of practice and run it for another five on both ends of the floor with two different coaches and just all right run them through them as fast as we can 
just to put them in those, you know, situations where they've got to think quick, where they've got to, Oh, I got to remember this. And they help each other. Like, Hey, you're supposed to go there. And, and I think that's crucial for our kids to, to, to have those failures and be able to come back and say, Hey, I got it. I saw it, you know? And I think that's a, that's, that's part of the growth process. Yeah. It's so true on that. Um, Coach talk about, Let's go into – I really want to talk about your skill development system. Give us a few drills that you do every single day that's vitally important that a coach listening could just take take and start doing. We are uh, – you know, every day we do ball handling. You know, we do single ball handling and two ball handling every day. Now, uh, some sometimes it's stationary. Sometimes it's on the move. And sometimes we have two periods of it. We'll have one group doing stationary while one's doing, you know, dynamic on the move. And then we switch them. So I, I think ball handling, those two ball handlings are, and there again, there's a thousand ball handling drills that, that every coach does. You know, we, right. we, we like to keep with the, you know, I, I've stolen a lot of things, even from Gene along the way. And we like to do the, the basic, you know, in and out and the crossovers and the double cross and, and the through the legs, uh, the two ball stuff, you know, I, I think it's just more of a concentration type thing. And, and we all have our, our favorite drills. You know, I think every day you've got to do shooting too. You know, we, we do a period of shooting every day and whether it be, um, uh, on the gun, we got a, we got a group going on our, our shooting machine on the mm-hmm. gun. We've got a group going, sure. uh, uh, penetrate, kick, penetrate, uh, kick, penetrate, re-kick. You know, we, we, I think you got to do shooting every day. And, and in our preseason, you know, from the time we, start conditioning we don't start conditioning usually till mid-september from that point on our four-on-ones shift to more shooting just shooting shooting because i want to be shooting the ball better once the season starts yeah and talk about your shooting technique i have a specific way that um you know i learned from really good coaches we teach Obviously, we teach, you know, you know, ready position, you know, the fall, uh, everything. But we teach off the hop. All of our kids, starting really in the fourth grade, we teach everything off the hop. How do you teach shooting? Uh, uh, I agree completely with what you're talking about with being ready, you know. And, and I, I use the phrase hands and feet ready a lot. But uh, we are not off the hop. We are, we are left, right, left, right, fire, left, right, okay. fire. That's, that's our mentality is left, right, fire. And and sometimes I, I forget that we got lefties, so I gotta hey, don't forget you're <laughs> you're right you're right left fire, you know, and right and don't get me wrong, you gotta be able to do it both ways, but but for the general kid who's a right hand shooter, I wanna go left, right fire, left, right fire. And I want that rhythm that you know, and, and I think that shooting is a rhythm thing. You know, I talk to our kids all the time about let's take shots, let's take in rhythm shots. You know, that's one of our every game we have got. Uh, in our game plan, I, I would venture to say that one of the things at the end when we talk about must-dos in our game tonight, everything is in rhythm shots. I don't want out-of-rhythm shots. Let's be in rhythm, and, and by in rhythm, that's what we're, you know, our left-right fire, left-right fire. You know, things that we do, you know, thousands and thousands of times over these kids' career. Yeah, I absolutely. I, I, and to be honest with you, I don't think there's any wrong way for shooting, but I do feel like you have to be consistent. You teach, you know, the one, two step. I teach, I think you have to be consistent, right? in how you teach a shot. 
Yeah, and, and we do off the bounce as well. But off the bounce is off the bounce at all. Like we're we're gonna bounce into those shots. We don't left right into anything off the bounce. Anything off the off right. the dribble is we bounce into it. But if you're on the wing and the ball's and you think the ball's swinging to you, which we're trying to teach you to think ahead, you better have your feet ready, whether it's left right, where you can left right fire and let's get that thing off. And I think there again, I had a, a coach in college that that was his thing. And, and I was very successful at it. And I took it along with me. I, I enjoyed it because growing up, I shot every which way, you know, because, you know, we shot looking off into the stands just to try to throw people off, looking at the floor. I had no rhyme <laughs> or reason in what we did, but we shot a lot of shots. And that's what made us and that's what made us good shooters. Uh, so if I can help. Our, our girls just become a better shooter with, with a small thing such as left, right, or off the bounce. I think those are just little things that help shape young minds and shape basketball players. Yeah. Cause really ultimately uh, I don't think kids shoot enough, but that's another story. But um, I think teams that if you can shoot the ball, man, that, that's a major weapon at the girls' level. Um, Coach, talk about your offensive system. Tell us about what you – what's the Cherokee way? What Are you guys a transition team? You're more of a grinded-out half-court team. How do you all play there at Cherokee? Uh, offensively, we want to play fast. You know, we, we play really an up-tempo. Um, we want to get out and run um, and, and try to score if we – if I could score where my big kid never had run down the floor, I'd do it every time. Doesn't always happen. Um, but when she gets down there, we're going to run some sets to try to, you know, our, uh, <laughs> if you looked at our play sheet from last year, we probably had between off between man to man offense and the zone offense. We probably had 25, 30 different plays. They all have, they all have, <laughs> certain things that we like to try to get they all have this option this this option or it runs into a motion type thing and um you know in girls basketball if you can if you can be patient you can get the shot you want now it might not go in but you can get the look you want uh you might have to just be a little bit patient and you know and i think you know with with the shot clock coming in it's going to change a few of the things. We're going to have to be able to get those things quicker. Still going to be able to get your, your sets in that you want. You just might have to get into them quicker. But we, we love to play fast. We love to get out and go. Uh, the last probably three years, maybe four, we've had point guard by committee. You know, I've only had one kid who I didn't want dribbling ball, and that's our big 6-3 post. I just want her, hey, you get it, outlet at somebody, and then start running. Everybody else has pushed the ball. We've run a we've run a break in the last three years. That's basically just get to this spot, and then we're going to play through it from there. So point guard by committee has, has been a fun way, you know, to to do that. It puts it gets the ball out quicker and gets us out running faster because every anybody can push. So it is a fun way to play. And, and defensively, I know we we were talking offensively. Defensively, we shift. You know, uh, we, we we play uh, contained man, but when we want to get after, we've got right. a half-court trapping system that we run, uh, and then we press, you know, we press quite a bit too. So we, we have a bunch of different looks that we're trying to, to do. 
You know, it's interesting you say that because all, all I, I speak to all the you know the coaches I mentioned before. There seems to be at the higher levels more changing up defense than anything. I spoke to Kath, you know, Kathy Walton yesterday. Man, they're they're they run sort of a you know a kind of an amoeba type changing up, but they change different looks. I guess when you get up to the higher levels, when you got to go against the Collins Hill, the Archers. I guess you better do things differently, right, to yeah, beat them. and uh, it's funny you say that. Uh, Kathy runs an amoeba defense. We run an amoeba defense, and and I, we've run it for 20 years, and uh, it, it's got different looks to it. It's so – people ask me all the time, like, hey, tell me about your 1-3-1. One, one. Well, it's not a 1-3-1. One, one. Well, tell me about your 2 – it's not a, it's not a 2-3. <laughs> I, I, I don't – I mean, it's hard for to sure. explain what it is. We know what it is because we're running it from the sixth grade through through our varsity. We know what it is, and it kind of depends on what you're going to give us. Um, you know, there's been in the last few years where we've even become more, uh, basically because we've had the kids who can do it. But you know, we might go type of press off of this off of a layup. We might go this type of press off of a made three. We might go this type of press off of a sideline inbound where we didn't have to call it. The kids were just trained through practice that, Hey, if that happens, this is what we're doing. And there again, it's just changing your defenses. Um, yeah. I think just are stagnant with your defense at times that, you know, people will find a way to, to, to try to pick you apart. And, you know, when you, when we do all those things and we press two or three different ways and we run and we run, different defensive looks at you, you have to prepare for that. And most of the time you're not doing that the day day or two before and still getting ready for us. Not for a you know for an entire game. You might be ready for us for a few minutes, but it's hard to prepare when you're not used to preparing for multiple, multiple things. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think, yeah, and, and it actually makes your opponent actually think more of you, kind of really prepare for you a lot more. I'm surprised more, more coaches don't do that. Hey, talk about on. Hello, this is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Aids. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home of the Corny Board, the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado. Offense, what when you face, and I'm looking at all the 7A, the big schools out here, how can you guys get from the Final Four to that next level? What are you trying to do offensively just a little bit better to beat the Archers and those big-time schools like that? Because you guys are yeah, close. We, part of that being there being that close has been was has been our our athletes we've had really good basketball players you know out of the six seniors are graduating all six are going to college to play at some level you know so that 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 doesn't happen very often at some level or another they're all going to play um but for us to and our big kid is a big deal for us you know we've never we haven't had you know when you've got a you got a six three kid in the middle of the lane who can play with her back to the basket and she's got a little mean streak to her and she she's I mean and she's a space eater. Like she is she takes up room defensively, offensively. She makes a huge difference. And 
I, I think even when she was young as a freshman and playing for us, uh, you know, going against the, the kid who went to Georgia, like she held her own and people are like, Hey, that kid's only 14. Like, wow. But you've got to have good guard play to go with that. And, and our mm-hmm. guard play uh, has been good over the years. And, and I think we've got to continue to do that. Um, you know, to, to compete with the, with all the, the, the Collins Hill and, and the West Lakes who, who we lost to last year and, and all those it's you've got to be on your game because quick if you you know you have a bad quarter or bad half a quarter you can't make it you can't make that up against them you know and you know in the final four this year we were right there at the end of the at the end of the first quarter I think it was nine to eight us and we had missed two layups and missed another easy one that I thought we could have made but if we make that the, the game might go different, but then all of a sudden they make a run and whoop, and it's holy cow, what just happened? Like it's it's that quick. You've got to. It's the little things. You right. can't you can't be off of the little things when you're playing those really good teams. Yeah, and as and um, when you get down to the, those games, it's the execution and so forth. But you mentioned also. It's about finishing layups. I mean, it's like we're all uh, – every girls coach says the same thing, right, Matt? You got to finish. I think that's the biggest problem in girls basketball. I, I, I know it's probably your level, too, uh, is getting girls to finish around the – I think it's that yeah. simple. And I've said for years, if you, can, if you can make layups and free throws, you can win 90% of your games in girls basketball. <laughs> right. And, and there again, we, we've, we've done everything in the world to try to – to try to help our kids be able to finish around the basket. We, we believe in finishing off of two feet. So we teach that we teach right. finishing off of two feet, shoulder in the mouth, uh, ball in the outside hand. And, and we use, you know, the football team gives us their blocking dummies and we're using those shields and we're beating, we're hitting kids across the arms while they're shooting in practice, while they're shooting those power layups. We're just doing those things to try to get them to understand, Hey, you initiate the contact, you control the contact and, and it'll help you be able to score the basketball. So everybody has their own ways of trying to, to teach how to play through contact and there's no rhyme or reason or there's no right way or wrong way. We all have our, our ways of doing it, but I think you got to have a philosophy in what you do. Like if you're, in my opinion, if you're going into the lane, you're going to get hit. So I want to go off two feet and make sure that we are as strong as possible. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. We were actually practicing yesterday. We're lucky enough we're able to practice here in Greene County. Um, and then and it's also about the angles too. So we had our girls, we had our girls turning, just angling their shoulder, their inside shoulder into the defender, keeping the ball on the outside. You got to work on that stuff all the time, we right? And we, we we work start working on it in the sixth grade. You know, we've got you know a certain set of certain set of <laughs> drills where, you know, it's a, a rip through drill, rip through series where they're ripping through and, and finishing. As I said, we, we use the, the terminology shoulder in the mouth because we want their inside. We want that near inside shoulder in the mouth of the defender. That's the angle. That's the angle right. of the body. So the ball is in the outside hand. I love that. I'm going to add that in coach. I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, we do that, but I don't have that terminology. Hey, I'm always learning something from the best man. <laughs> I'm always um, talk about your de- uh, your defense a little bit now. Just um, 
let's say you got to go against uh, Phyllis Arthur and McEachern team. And I haven't seen them play yet, but I'm sure they're quick as cats. How do you defend a team like that? Well, it's uh, it, you've got to you've got to have a philosophy, you know. And and our philosophy is you know, we're gonna we're gonna use multiple defenses. Uh, we're going when we play you man, we're gonna play you contain. Our whole our whole philosophy in man to man is contain the ball, contain the ball, contain the ball, contain and contest, contain and contest. So we want to contain the dribble and contest the shots. You know, and and then if we want to speed you up and we want to try to change the tempo, we go to our our trapping defense. You know, and I, I think to compete with the teams like those, the McEachins and the Collins Hills and the West Lakes, I think you you've got to be solid defensively. And and I remember we lost to Phyllis one time. We lost to McEachin one time when I was a young coach back in probably. Oh seven, oh eight. We had the lead at our place in the state tournament. Second, I don't remember what round it was. We had the lead with seven to play. We had been giving them fits, you know, defensively. We had done a good job, and I learned a valuable lesson. You know, we should have switched defenses coming out of that timeout with seven seconds to play. We shouldn't have played the same defense that we had been playing for the, for the last minute of that game because they were ready and they hit a fadeaway three to win by two. They hit a fadeaway three at the buzzer to beat us by two at our place in the state tournament. So I, you know, I, to this day, I, you know, when we're coming out of timeouts, I, I usually switch something. I, I usually don't go back to the same defense and, you know, is that right or wrong? I don't know, but it, it, it bit me one time real bad. And, and I had a couple <laughs> of coaches friends that said, Hey, just think about it. You know, switch. You can, it's easy to switch up even for just one possession. So that's kind of a, that's something that stuck with me. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Uh, of course, you know, let, let's be honest, Matt, we've all made mistakes and we can look back at it. During that moment, you probably felt your instincts probably telling you, hey, stay with what you were doing. Um, of course, you know, we can always look back and and correct. But, um, yeah, I do like the change up. I do like the change up defensively and so forth, particularly after timeouts. I mean, that's one of our philosophies after timeouts and so forth. We will make a change. And uh, I'll be honest with you. A lot of coaches on the other sideline, on the other bench, don't see that a lot of times. No, it's amazing. No, you're right. And. And there's always, you know, there's always times that when I'm coming out of that timeout offensively, I'm thinking, well, we better have something that works either way because they could very easily switch. Right. So you've, you've got to be, uh, you got to have enough uh, where for all about you to understand that they could be doing that. You better have something in your book and your pocket that's ready to go for either way, either man or zone. That's a group. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think offensively, you have to be ready to, like you're saying on that. To me, it's almost to the point as I get older, almost to have one, what I call a balanced offense, where it's, it's, it's man and zone with similar concepts. Because the more we change sometimes, the more, I mean, I, I didn't, what I'm kind of looking at as I get a little bit older here, it's like, why do I have different 
offense for different defense. Why? Why can't I simplify it more? So I mean, that's that's a whole other topic. Oh yeah, no kidding. I, we could talk for hours on that because, like I said, uh, we could have <laughs> we could have fifteen zone plays, but every one of them have something that. But we do have one zone play uh, that it works against any zone, and it's got this. It's just it basically just principles. It's it's got these principles, right. and it works against anything. So it is a a a uh, universal zone offense and we can always go with that. Yeah, absolutely. Coach talk about before you go, uh, I always try to steal a couple of drills from every coach. Give me your top. You already mentioned your ball handling and so forth, but give me something like your DNA drill, something you do every day, maybe on offense or defense. Well, every day we do some sort of penetrate kick as an offensive drill, because we, we love to shoot the ball. We love to, uh, we have a, it's not really, I guess it's dribble drive, but it's more of a, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of old school. It, it was dribble drive before it was dribble drive. It was the old motion from, you know, mm-hmm. back in the Duke Mullis days when he was running it. And, uh, you know, so yeah, it's dribble drive. Anyway, a lot of it is being able to attack the basket and, and we incorporate, uh, attacking the basket and then closing out in our dribble in our uh, penetrate kick. So we have penetrate kick closeout. So we, you know it's it's two lines on each on each wing, actually way up past the wing because we want to drive it down past the old timeline. But drive it down, hit the middle, kick, and then we want to teach that kid to close out so the shooter gets a hand in their face, and we can work on closeouts. So, right. so that's one of our favorite drills. And then from there, it, it goes to uh, the same drill, but we drive it baseline, jump stop, rip over the top, and the shooter, instead of staying on the opposite wing, is, follow, is coming behind, and it's almost like a pitch back. And then we, clo- we can close out there too. And then we just the old baseline drive, fade opposite corner, outside hand kick, uh-huh. and close out there. So those – those are, you know, three different types of shooting that we run. And it's just continuous with three balls. It's, it's continuing to go. And, you know, it's, and you're teaching shooting hand in the face and you can work a little close out, chop your feet, sit down, drop your hips, close out. Cause we don't ever want to block the shot. We don't want to risk, you know, getting a foul. So we want to close out, close out the right way with our feet, chopping our feet, sinking our hips, and so it's it's got multiple things. So we do that almost every day. It's uh it's it's a staple of our program. Talk about and I I love that coach and I talk about we we love the gun as well. And I like I don't think a lot of coaches use the gun actually in their practices. I know they use it in their workouts. Um I love using the gun for our offensive actions that we have. It is you just get more shots and talk about what you do with the gun in your practice. We use it. I mean, we set it up from the moment we get in there. So, you know, one is one assistant coach, you know, she just knows that she just needs to go ahead and set it up because we're going to use it at some point in, in that <laughs> practice. And, you know, it's a great thing for kids who are maybe banged up and they maybe they're not going full contact that day. All right. You're on the gun and you're just firing shots. It's a great thing for that. Uh, I think it's a good uh I, th- I love it for free throws. Our kids don't like it because they think, you know, the net's too – I set the net as high as I can get it because I want you to get that arc on the ball and 
they you know sure. you know they a lot of them just barely want to get the ball up and they don't love it for free throws but I do especially if a kid is struggling with with that line drive ball um we always use it like if I'm doing if we're doing that penetrate kick drill that I was just talking about with you I, you know because our JV does practice with us uh, I don't want 20 kids doing that penetrate kick drill I want 10 doing it and then I want eight on the gun doing maybe the same penetrate kick drill on the gun. So now we're getting the same, we're getting the same drill two different ways and more reps. Yeah. It, uh, that's, that's, it sounds simple. I mean, the difference between, you know, somebody getting a hundred reps or 20 reps. I, I, I read something the other day, an article about the average without a gun or without a shooting machine, a player might get 20 to 25 shots per practice. And that's not enough. I mean, so I think, I think the gun has to be utilized in your practice or before or after practice, right? Yeah. It's nothing for us to look at the gun at the end of a, at the end of a day and it's got five or 600, you know, reps on it. And to, just to be honest with you, we've owned four and, and the two we have now are pretty much worn out. We need to replace them, but we just, I mean, those things are, those things are running every day every you know it's it's every day those things are getting used and uh we definitely get our money's worth out of them um you know and and with covid and fundraising being down we're gonna have to wait another year to to, to do some replacing but they are essential in my book to to getting up shots and getting up quality shots because you don't chase the ball like we used to you know you miss and you got to chase it over there and come back and try to get back to doing what you're doing it's just it's just repetition and it's rhythm shooting, which is what I talked about earlier. We're in. Yeah, I totally agree with that. But, but you can also look at the other end, end too, right, Matt, that, hey, in our shooting drills, hey, we're working on rebounding because I think that gets lazy in shooting drills. Uh, we don't allow the ball to hit the ground. If it hits the ground, you either run or push-ups or something like that. So that's that's how we emphasize offensive rebound is in our shooting drills. Yeah, we do too. But I've got those staple drills that I know. Um, you know, I think the gun is just a – it is a um, – it can be a shooting, but it can be an asset to you. It can be an asset to your program. And if you're, if they're not – Hi, I'm Alex Stevenson, athletic director and girls basketball coach at Dodd City. I've been at Dodd City for seven years. During those seven years, we've won seven district championships, been to six regional tournaments and three state championship games. I'm a huge fan of this podcast, what it brings and the platform that we're able to share knowledge and wisdom on and, and grow as coaches. Hey, coach. Hey, coach. Hey, Matt that happens sometimes hey welcome back um hey you were talking about the the use of the gun and um that you can get so many reps in yeah i think it's uh like i was saying i think before we got cut off i think that if you're not using you know it, it gives you so many opportunities to put up so many more quality shots if you're not using it then i think you've got to, as a coach you've got to be a better you've got to utilize better drills and you've quality um, to help your kids be ready to. I just think it's, 
You know, you don't have this. Unlike a, a earlier, you know, in the last five or six years, uh, the day after a game, we we do no running. We do no practice other than it's just a shooting day. It's it's form shooting, free throw shooting, and usually we got the guns set up, and, and all we're doing is shooting that day. And, and we use that day to get our legs uh, back under us after we've played. And, you know, our, our our kids have been so much fresher late in the year because of that, I believe, uh, because of that, you know, day after a game where we just basically are shooting. You know, we're not doing any running. And uh, I took that four or five years ago on a recommendation to try, and, and I've passed it along to so many people um, that we have, we have fell in love with that. But there again, that's a that's a great day where the gun's out and it, it might put up 250. Where they're not doing any running around on their legs. Yeah, that's interesting on that. Hey, you're kind of like the the NBA the NBA coach uh, with a load management. I kind of like that. Um, but that makes sense though, Matt, because I think after games it's always stressful, and I you feel like it gives them a mental break too. I do. And, you know, we're playing music the whole time too, because it's a, it's a small thing that kids like, you know, that doesn't bother me. Like 20 years ago, there's no way I'd have took a Wednesday (laughs) and not practiced. I would have felt like, you know what, they're getting better. We got to grind. You know what? You don't have to, if you practice hard on Monday and you play the way you practiced on Tuesday and you play hard on Wednesday, why can't you why can't you be in there for an hour, hour and fifteen minutes, and and put up, you know, 150 free throws and 150 shots, and, and just kind of not let the kids run all over the place. I mean, do we really have to go out there and press? We just pressed for a whole game last night. Do we really need to get out there and get after it uh, and trap and, and and get after each other? No, not it's proven we don't have to do it. So it might not be for everybody, but I would I would really have a hard time telling people not to try it because you'd be amazed at how much the kids just love to. They know Wednesday is a day where it's easy. We're going to list this. We're going coach is going to let us play our music as long as it's clean, and all we're going to do is is rhythm shooting. You know, we're going to be there an hour, hour fifteen minutes, and then they're going to go home, and then Thursday we're going to come back and get after it again. Yeah, that's a really good point, Matt. I, I mean. Be- I just think for the long haul, because basketball season is so long as well, um, I think that's a really valid point right there um, for a variety of reasons. Coach, talk about your improving your craft. What do you do? Because I know you're probably one that studies and does different things. Talk about what you utilize to make yourself a better coach. Well, we, I think going and, and – sitting with other coaches and watching what they do. I think that's big. I think, um, I I love going to clinics, but you know, sometimes, you know, I might only want to see two people out of the whole clinic. Like, so with technology nowadays and, and the way it is, you can get, sometimes you can get just as much out of off of your phone or off your computer when it comes to the clinic side of it. And people are sharing those clinic notes like crazy. Right. 
so clinics have gone down some in my opinion now we used to go to fort walton every year and they just they don't even i don't even know if they do that clinic anymore uh, if they do, it's it's sporadic in one year and not the other. But I think going and, and sitting with people and, and and sitting with quality coaches and and getting together, such as like this podcast, or you know, there's been many times where me and two or three other coaches get together and we just bounce ideas off each other. And and I think reading is a big deal. You know, I, I take a lot of I don't take much basketball from reading. <laughs> I take right. more of the uh, of the leadership and uh, um, and and how we want to uh, kids to feel in our program. And, um, you know, a great book that was recommended to me. And if you if you've never read it, um, Inside Out Coaching, holy cow, you want right. to talk about a a great book, you know, and, and, and when I start, when I read it, you know, I thought back like, wow, uh, I was transactional for years. You know, and <laughs> for I, sure. And, and, and when you see the transformational side of it and, and how much more, there's so much more us as coaches can be than just the coach, you know, and we wear hundreds of hats, you know, janitor, psychologist, teacher, coach, some of us are father figures. Uh, there's just so many sides of it that is so much more than coaching. And I told my one of my daughters the other day, we were talking about something in the, in the coaching realm. And, and I had told them as it applied to their life so many times, but I had never really applied it to myself till a couple of days ago. And, and I just told them, I said, I, coaching's not who I am. It's just what I do. You know, it doesn't, coaching doesn't define me. It's not who I am. It's something I do. And I, I think, you know, who we are as people is bigger than what we do. And I think that comes through, you know, our, our reading and our philosophies and, and our, our character. Yeah. And Matt, do you feel like, you know, experience to me is a great tool, right? Cause I think we've all learned that you and I have been coaching a long time. I think we learned that over time. How can we transform the new age coach coaches coming out now? Because that's hard to do. I think you have to learn. You have to grind it out and kind of learn that over time. It's not about the X's and O's and the winnings, right? No, it's not, you know, and uh, I, I also told somebody that they, they asked me if, if I could change something, what would I go back and tell myself? I, I wish I would have enjoyed the wins early on more and worried about the losses less because, <laughs> you know, there, there was a lot of times early in my career where a Friday night would run my whole weekend. Like a 15 year old's uh, performance on a Friday night would ruin my whole weekend and coming into Monday practice, I would still be just ruined about it. And, you know what? Right. It's, that was part of the the transactional person, you know, the transactional coach. And I think as as veteran coaches, we all have to teach our young coaches the way to do it. And and what I mean by that is, I feel like our young coaches that are coming out of school now and in their first few years, they don't understand what it means to to sweep a floor. They don't understand what it means to. Uh, pay their dues and, and do the laundry. They don't know what it means to uh, plan and help coach plan and not just stand there and agree with him, but have a, have a mind and, 
and ask questions. And I think it's up to us older coaches and veteran coaches to teach our younger coaches how to do those things. And, and I, in the last probably five or six years, I have really tried to involve my assistants more and more and more in learning the craft from another side. I wish somebody would have told me 20 years ago when I took, before I took the head coaching job at Cherokee High School, what all it entailed, or if I had an idea of everything that I was going to have to do so I was more prepared. Because I'm sure for the first four or five years, I was learning on the fly of how to run Booster Club, how to deal with this situation, or how to deal with these parents. Or, you know, I think it's it's crucial that we teach our younger coaches how to do that. And I think we have to involve them in the process as veteran coaches. Yeah. And that's a great point. And I think the younger coaches have to be willing to give up of themselves and show some humility as well, because that's hard to do when you're young. Hey, before you go, give me your opinion on something, something that I'm actually looking to do. And I've spoken to Gene Durden about this is actually starting a Georgia basketball coaches association where we are doing the same things that you're talking about with all the experienced coaches like yourself, Phyllis Arthur, Gene, all that. And we form a a basketball coaches association to help the game here in the state of Georgia. Uh, What do you think about that? I think it's a great idea. You know, if I'm not mistaken, the Georgia football coaches have now done that in the last year. Uh, sure. And, and, I'm sh- and I'm sure like uh, all good coaches, we're stealing that idea. I think it's a great idea because our we've got to give back to the game. We've got to give back to the game. that has been so good to all of us. You know, I, I've been so blessed and so fortunate uh, to be uh, in the program I'm in. I've been so blessed and fortunate to have the kids I've had um, and just the support I've had along the way from veteran coaches and now that we are the veteran coaches why are we not that's right continue to give it back and continue to help that young that next generation because if we don't they're not going to learn the right way to do it they're not going to learn that you've got to do this or you've got to put the time in and be successful because that younger generation you know god help them they are uh, they are a generation of um Hold on a minute. I just lost my train of thought. They are a generation <laughs> of uh, bare minimum, you know, and what's the bare minimum I can get away with and, and still be successful. Well, I, I'm, I don't want a bare minimum doctor or bare minimum lawyer or bare minimum. Uh, if you're cooking my burger, I, I don't want a bare minimum chef. Like, so exactly right. <laughs> I, I, I want to help the next generation to not be bare minimum. Let's do, let's succeed what we what we think we can do and, and try to do more so I, I would be all for getting involved with that yeah let's really stay in touch with that because uh, thank god my podcast i'm allowed to speak to a lot of you guys and i've learned so much and i've been doing this a long time um and i think it'd be a valuable resource and i think we can kind of build it to where the coaches can get a lot more out of it um and we need to help each other so Something to think about, Matt, because I think a, a young coach can go to one of your practices or call you on the phone and get pick up information that he doesn't possess. Man, to be huge. Yeah, that. Yeah, and there again, I don't know many of us 
who've been doing it a long time who don't just love to sit around and talk basketball or talk to people about our sport or talk to people about our program. Like who, who doesn't like to do that? Cause if you don't like to do that, you're in the wrong profession. You might as well right. get out. Uh, because even, even the people who have gotten out along the way, you know, Matt Williams, he's the AD now at North Cobb. He's been out for 10 years, him and I still talk basketball. So <laughs> yeah, coaches, they, they don't just because they get away from their sport, they don't just stop thinking and reading and researching and, and, and trying to get better. They just, you know, they just, uh, give their information in another realm or another way to other people. You know, there's been so many, you know, good coaches who have gotten out along the way to be athletic directors and things like that, that I still talk to about basketball. Like we don't talk about being an AD. <laughs> we talk about basketball or we talk about situations and, and things like that. And, you know, you know, I, I didn't mention earlier, but Scott Bursmith along the way, I don't know if you know Scott, uh, Scott Bursmith. What's Scott? Scott okay. Bur wow. Scott Bursmith. He was at Buford years ago. He was at Sequoia back in 98. He, he won a state okay. championship there. Scott Bursmith is, he's a retired educator and now he's an assistant principal at, uh, well, he's a, he's filling in as a part-time assistant principal at, at Marietta high school. And you want to talk about basketball and he's forgot way more basketball than, than I'll ever know. Sure. And you can sit and talk with him for, forever and if i was gonna if if i was gonna call somebody about hey what would you do talk to one he'd be the first one i'd call because he's got a thousand things in his head that he's that he has kept along the way or notebooks full of stuff make sure i get his contacts i would love to talk to him on that and that of course you know a guy like that would be you know awesome you know in a committee for a Georgia basketball coach. I mean, there's so many great coaches out there in Georgia, man, we have to take advantage of, I mean, we get, I mean, there's some great resources. Absolutely. I would, I would totally agree with that. And, and, coach, thank and you for coming. Yeah, go ahead. The, the funny thing is, is Scott, you know, he lives, you know, not far from me here where I live and he comes to games, he sits behind the bench and he yells like he's, you know, he's, he yells like he's still part of every game and, and, you know, <laughs> and if you ask him for, Hey, what'd you see there? He'll be, he'll be sure to tell you about it. And, uh, and it's just, it's good to have people like that. You know, I'm sure like that. If I go watch a basketball game, there's, it's for sure. I've got an opinion about how it went or what went on, no doubt. Uh, whether you want it or not. Now that's up to you, but, uh, I, I really appreciate you having me on. It's been, it's been awesome. Like I said, I could sit and talk basketball for, for days and days no doubt well you came highly again you came highly recommended and it was well worth listening to you coach man i can tell you love the game um and let's stay in contact um i do want to tell you that i run a legends clinic every year out here at, at the lake and uh, -huh. uh i invite gene and a bunch of coaches really from around the country to come out now this year we're it's kind of a wait and see because i don't know yet Correct. Whether they're going to allow it. But if we do, man, I, I definitely want to invite you to come and share with us. Yeah, I, I, I'd love to. And uh, I, it's a, it's an honor that, that fellow coaches, uh, you know, recommended me to come talk with you. And uh, I, I've enjoyed it tremendously. I appreciate the, the opportunity to talk about our program, talk about our game. Absolutely. Matt, how can somebody get a hold of you? Uh, um Social media, if you can share whatever contact you have so a coach can contact you. 
Well, I am, uh, I am Mr. Like I said, I, I'm kind of the old one. It's, uh, I, I don't have any Facebook or Snapbook or InstaFace or any of that <laughs> stuff. I got you. Uh, I'd have, I, I have an assistant coach who is in charge of, um, our social, our Twitter account. So she okay. does that. All right. Uh, she does that, which is, which is awesome. I have a personal Twitter account, but I do. Hello. Yes. You there? Sorry, coach. I have a personal Twitter account. Um, but the sad thing is I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I think it's at coach Gates 32 or something like that. I think um, I saw so it. I got it, coach. I got it for you. I'm pretty sure it's at coach <laughs> Kate 32. Uh, right. and I do, I, I do follow on that. Um, you know, but as far as like my phone number, I, I, I'll give it out. I don't care. I, I'm sure. awesome about talking to people, basketball. My phone number is 678-717-8585. Uh, my email address at school, very simple, matt.cates at cherokeek12.net. And, um, you know, any of those ways uh, that I can be reached are, are simple and, and I can get back to you very quickly. Uh, I, I'm just a little behind the times on social media. I think it's, uh, nah. I think it's a down, I think it's a downfall of our kids. Uh, yeah. It's, but I think it's a necessity. That's why I've got an assistant coach who, you know, it's her job to, to, to regulate that and do that for us because I do think it's important. I just think there's a lot of fluff and some things that we could, we could keep it basic and that's, and that's, uh, sometimes hard to do, uh, if you just look through Twitter at all or any of that stuff. Yeah, a lot of it's garbage, uh, but there there are a lot of great things out there, particularly for coaches uh, that give out valuable drills and so forth on videos. I mean, there are some good stuff, but you're right. There is a lot of garbage. <laughs> you're right. Um, but, Matt, thank you so much for sharing, man. I appreciate you sharing the game with us, and uh, I'm hoping you guys get back to playing again soon. Yeah, I hope so, too. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a county decision that they're not letting winter sports do anything. And, and I understand they're not they're also not letting Cobb County and, and Gwinnett and some of the other people. I understand. And, I, and we're in we're in different times right now and uh, we'll get back to it. And uh, I have no doubt that we'll get back to it. and We'll hit the ground running. And, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about our program and, and talk about just the, the game of basketball, you know, I've been so fortunate and so blessed to be at one high school as a head coach for 20 years. And uh, I just, uh, I, I feel very blessed that, that it's been that way. Coach, thanks again. I appreciate you sharing uh, the Cherokee way, man. So I, a lot of people are going to learn about you and your program. Coach, thank you so much again, man. Let's talk soon. Okay. No problem, coach. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Hey, coaches, this is Brad Hillegas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division I, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision, because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help 
coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. And if you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit Huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and you are listening to the Championship Vision podcast.